Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. As a marriage specialist, I'm often asked what makes a marriage successful. And I happily tell people things like spending quality time together regularly, being kind, treating each other with respect, actively showing love and gratitude. Now, two of these can actually be counted, which is helpful. The other two are often measured by when they aren't happening. So I think it's also helpful to share specifics about what harms marriages. Knowing what these pitfalls look like can help you and your spouse head down the happily ever after path. So to help identify a few of these behaviors, I'm joined by Thomas Pfeiffer. He's the former senior editor at the Good Men Project, and he's co-founder of Christmas Lake Creative. So Tom, thank you for coming on the show and talking about things that people need to know about to avoid them. Thanks for having me, Leslie. And uh, I'm, I'm passionate about this because uh, a lot of these things are things I wish I had known, uh, you know, would have, would have served me well in, in past relationships. So if we can uh, get ahead of the game and spare people any of the heartache, uh, then I feel like that's a good thing. Well, that's my goal, too, which is why I do the show. And you wrote a piece that appeared in the Good Men Project based on a conversation that you had with Paul Friedman of the Marriage Foundation, and it was titled The Three Silent Destroyers of Marriage. And this was a very popular piece. It's gotten over 85,000 views. So, But before we get to what those destroyers are, in this article, there was an interesting use of a triangle to describe what healthy marriages need. So could you explain that image? Because that image is a really good one. Sure. Um, so, you know, the, the article opened with uh, the idea uh, I had sort of going into marriage, my, my first one, that um, a marriage needed three things to survive, mutual respect, functional communication, and physical intimacy, sort of your, your basic idea of what makes a marriage and a good relationship tick. Um, but if you, if you use a triangle to symbolize marriage with each of these qualities as one of its corners, um, you ha- you know, with a triangle, you need a minimum of three points to create an actual enclosure. So if one of those points falls apart and, and the lines drop, you don't have a safe enclosure for the marriage anymore. So you really do need all three of those things uh, to, to create a safe space in which couples can relate and be intimate and particularly be vulnerable because, you know, the, the type of vulnerability with intimacy is what really strengthens the relationship. Um, so I kind of like that image of the, of the triangle and focusing on uh, keeping the, the walls together and, and everything solid in order to keep your marriage safe. Well, and that's, you know, that's, that's so interesting that you mentioned the V word, vulnerability, because it's, you know, that's one of the things that everybody wants, but is terrified of doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, we, we, we want this great intimacy, but then we have to, like, open that door to the parts of us that we don't want anybody to see. And I think that that's 
you know, when you talk, when we talk about respect and, you know, these kinds of things, it's like, we don't have to be perfect, uh, you know, but we do have to feel safe. And I do think that that's what you're talking about in this triangle that gives this, you know, um, I, I don't know if people know this, but, but, but a triangle is the simplest, most stable form in nature. And so, you know, it's like, it's why riding a bike, what's riding a tricycle is easier than riding a bicycle because it's like you've got that third leg. And, you know, and, and so I think that's a really good visual to give people and, and that sense, at that sense of safety. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to the destroyers because these are the things that, like you said, are going to break, you know, either going to break one of the, one of the corners or it's going to break one of the walls of the triangle. And the first one that, that is mentioned is over-familiarity. Um, and, and when I read that, I just had that thing about familiarity breeds contempt. So I'm wondering if that's where we're going with this. Because, you know, is, is that what it is and what makes, you know, what, how does one define over-familiarity? Sure. Um, and, you know, I, I thought of that, too, with, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. And, of course, you know, John Gottman has cited contempt as, you know, the, the, uh, the nail in the coffin uh-huh. for, uh, for marriage or, or any relationship. So that's, that's part of it. But um, really what, what I was trying to get at with over-familiarity is just this idea of taking things for granted, uh-huh. not working at the relationship anymore because, you know, it's comfortable and you just kind of assume that you're close enough, that you can kind of do things that might be a little annoying or obnoxious or, or whatever. And of course we all do those things and, you know, <laughs> the subject mm-hmm. of endless conversation and relationships. But when you start to feel entitled to do those things, you know, because you're married or because, you know, you've known this person for such a long time, um, then you start to act like you have a free pass. And that's really not healthy. I don't think, we can take anything for granted in life. I mean, maybe, you know, if we're religious or spiritual, we can take God's mercy, you know, and acceptance of us for granted. But with humans, nobody grants us anything. We earn respect in a relationship. We earn devotion. We earn attention by giving those things ourselves. Um, and, And then it becomes this kind of virtuous cycle of, you know, we're, we're contributing to the relationship and building it and, and strengthening uh, that triangle. And I also like to think that we both earn and, and learn. We learn mm-hmm. how to behave in ways that sustain the relationship and, and how to, um, and how to keep, uh, how to, how to keep doing that. So, you know, with, with over familiarity, it's really, um, stepping back and thinking of your partner or your spouse as a a whole person and somebody maybe you don't know everything about and somebody that you do have to treat all the time with kindness and respect and, uh, you know, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and a good attitude. Well, you know, I love it because, you know, in, in a lot of my work, sometimes, you know, and, and my husband, my husband always knows when I'm doing this because we'll be out in public and suddenly I'll go quiet and he's going, you're doing it again. I said, what? He says, people watching. I said, I know I can't help it. Um, you know, and, <laughs> and, um, and you know, I'll, I, I will watch 
how people talk to complete strangers versus how they talk to the person that they're with. And, you know, sometimes I know it's their spouse and sometimes it's not, but it's like, you know, the, the, the way they talk to their partners is worse than the way they're talking to complete strangers. And so I, you know, I don't know if that's part of that over-familiarity that, well, I don't have to be, um, you know, use please and thank you with you because you're my you're my partner and you know you should just know you know those should be assumed and of course we all know what happens when we assume um but also this idea um, go ahead i was gonna say yes that is that is part of it um it, it's making those assumptions and it and in effect it's letting your guard down in terms of protecting the corners and the walls of that triangle you know, because you're 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 sort of getting sloppy, if you will, or you're you're mm-hmm. just you're making these assumptions that you can act in a certain way, and and that it won't have any consequences. And you're so right about, you know, with the with the people watching, and we see and we hear these these shocking things. You know, you you go out to a restaurant and you see the next table man says to, you know, presumably his wife, you don't want the steak, you want the fish. <laughs> You know, and, and like, <laughs> would he would he say that to his business colleague? Would would he say that to you know if there were two couples dining? Mm-hmm. Would he say that to the to the woman who's married to the other guy? No. So why does he say that to his wife? Yeah, and and you know, and we when we start out in relationships, we don't start out this way. And you know, and and again, bringing up my husband. Um, he and I have been together for over 36 years, and every so often I'll look at him, and he'll say or do something, or I'll say and do something, and we'll look at each other like, who are you? you know, either, because, <laughs> right. either because we've never talked about it, which, you know, I, I was watching, uh, you know, I forget, I was, oh, I was watching something, on, or some rerun on television yesterday, and somebody was talking about how they had run out of things to talk about with their partner, and I'm like going, I don't even understand that. <laughs> like I said, my husband and I right. like, who are you? Where did that come from? You know, because sometimes literally it's just not cropped up in 36 years or we've actually grown and evolved. So how I felt 20 years ago is not my way of thinking about it today. I'm not going to say it's completely off, but hopefully, hopefully I've learned something in in 20 years and that I'm not just this, not stuck in some kind of time warp. Um, but this assumption that because I felt this way once, I must feel this way now. I think it's oh, sure. I mean, you know, relation, yeah, and and relationships thrive when they grow. Yeah. So so we we have to keep an open mind. We have to uh, believe that um, you know we're going to have new experiences with, with this person and different experiences with this person. And, uh, and no, they won't all be pleasant, you know, but, um, but, but, it, but if we go in, if we go in maintaining those three corners, if we go in maintaining mutual respect, maintaining functional communication and, you know, maintaining the intimacy that, that goes along with those, then we've got a pretty good shot at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things that I want to dispel is, this should not take work. I hate that. I hate using the word work in the same sentence as a relationship. I think it takes paying attention, but I don't think it, it shouldn't take work to treat another human being, especially one I promise to love, honor, and cherish, with kindness and respect. That to me is like, why would this be work? You know, 
because I think it's like you said, I, I you, agree with you, you wouldn't do these things with a colleague at your office. Right. I, I think work is, is not uh, an appropriate word to, to use for it. I, I think it takes commitment. I think it takes mm-hmm. dedication. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it takes a lot of self-awareness because you have to be aware of when you're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly your partner is <laughs> going to make you aware of, of when you're, when you're not doing it, but no, it's, it, it's not work in the, in the sense of, you know, any type of drudgery or some kind of effort that, you know, Oh God, I got to be nice to this person. No. <laughs> well, then you probably shouldn't be in the relationship, but, yes. <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's a constant um, renewal of your commitment to mm-hmm. be the best partner uh, that, that you can be. Uh, that, I, I think that's a good way to look at it. So this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking to the Good Men Project's former senior editor and co-founder of Christmas Light Creative, Thomas Pfeiffer, about three things that can destroy your marriage. And if you have some concerns about your relationship, believe me, you're not alone. But knowing what will help it to thrive or what will cause it harm are things that everyone needs to know. But there is no official Relationship 101 class where it's taught. That doesn't mean there aren't avenues available for you to learn. So if you want to know what works and what doesn't, I invite you to schedule a free, no-obligation, five-star relationship consultation with me. You can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919 919- 9240463 or you can send me an email at leslie l e s l i at foundationscoachingnc.com that's f o u n d a t i o n s coaching and is in nancy c is in charlie.com and now i want to get back to the other two destroyers of relationships so tom you said that the next silent killer is poor communication skills and, you know, and, and I get this all the time. People come in and they say, well, we don't communicate. And in my head, I'm going, yes, you do. You just don't like what's being communicated. <laughs> but, right. <laughs> so, so what do you, I mean, because, yeah, we can't not communicate. I suppose when we're sleeping, we're not communicating. But that's about the only time. So what do you mean by poor communication skills? Sure. Um, and just before we touch on that, I do want to emphasize the idea that these destroyers are silent. They are things that mm-hmm. creep in to a relationship. They're things that a lot of people are not aware of mm-hmm. when they're happening. So as we discuss these things, we're trying to put a lens on behaviors. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, infidelity, okay, that's in somebody's right. face. You know, but these are things that quietly become part of the fabric of a relationship and then actually start to, to tear that that fabric apart. I just mm-hmm. wanted to, to okay. make that point. Um, so poor communication skills, you know, communication is, is so central to any relationship. Um, and it also brings it back to self-awareness because we're often not aware of how we communicate. We're not aware of how we sound. We're not aware mm-hmm. of what we don't say. We're not aware mm-hmm. of our body language. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not aware that, that we're constantly perhaps rejecting Kids for attention from our yeah. partner because we don't even recognize what our partner is presenting to us as a, as a as a bid for attention or affection. 
But I, I think what this comes down to is that marital communication, communication when you're in a relationship that you are fully committed to, you know, and as you said, when you stand up on that, on that altar, you know, I, I, I promise to love, to cherish, you know, to adapt to us part. Marital communication is really different from any other kind of communication. Uh, I, I think for two reasons. One, because it operates with the assumption that you're not leaving, that you're not walking away. Mm. So it has to come to some type of resolution. It has, it has to come to some type of coming together over whatever the thing is that, that you're talking about, because you can't just easily you know, walk away. And the second thing about marital communication is it is about more than just getting your needs met, negotiating with the other person about what you want or what has to be done or this and that. To me, it is a way of relating that enables two people to open their hearts to each other. And that can be hard to do. You know, Mm -hmm. we were talking about vulnerability in the beginning, but ultimately there is a safety in that vulnerability. There's a safety in knowing that you can open your heart to this person and knowing that you're going to be met with respect and knowing that you're going to be met with attention and devotion and and the things that, that, that help the relationship to thrive. So communication is something married people really need to work on all the time. And really, 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 I can't emphasize this enough need to listen to and absorb and uh, take into account the feedback that you get from your partner on how you communicate and how it affects them. Well, and that's such, a, that, that's such an interesting, um, n- not perspective, but point, because, you know, one of the things that I tell people is like, you know, when we first start to talk, Everybody is hanging on our words. We're, you know, however old we are, a year old or nine months or 18 months or whatever. And everybody's hanging on our every word, trying to figure out what it is we're saying to them. And so I think that kind of gives us this idea that, well, everybody wants to hang on my every word and everybody's going to want to put in effort to figure out what it is I'm saying. And but as a, as a baby, I don't have any ownership in that. But as an adult, I certainly do. I have a responsibility to you know, try to communicate in the most effective way possible. Um, but we're never, but we're never taught that. How do we learn how you know? Because you're talking about you know opening up and and the idea that there's an I me. Mean, there's an assumption, and again, be very careful, people. There's an assumption that because I'm married, you're not going to leave. Now, you can leave, and I'm not going to say it's going to be easy for you to leave, but I think what you're talking about, maybe tell me if I'm on the right track, is that when we develop good communication skills, regardless of what it is we're communicating, because we can communicate some hard stuff to our partners, um, but if we communicate well, we decrease the chance that somebody is going to leave. Right? Is that yes, kind of- yes that is, that's, that's absolutely right. And, and when we communicate well, um, we are um, always working towards resolution. You know, you don't, we don't have to agree, but we, right. we're working towards resolution in the context of we're going to be in this same room, in this same house, in the same bed or whatever next week, next year, you know, mm-hmm. so it, it becomes pivotal 
to resolve these things. Otherwise, you know, you have a blanket and you just keep, you know, burning holes in it and eventually there's nothing left. Well, I mean, you know, and, and, you know, and this is one of those things because, you know, and, and I don't, it's been a long time since I've told this story on, on the show, but I had a friend, well, she's still a friend, but she, she was relating this story about her husband saying, you know, coming to her and saying, you know, there's this thing that you do that really makes me crazy. And she's like, and, and he described what it was, and she was like, you know, I'm not seeing it. She didn't, she didn't tell him no, right? And so she says to him, she says, the next time that happens, let me know. And so about three weeks later, he goes, that, that right there. You know, and she was able to hear and accept, and even though she still wasn't quite sure, and she said, you know, I don't know how to do it differently, and she asked him, for some help, some suggestions, and he and he gave them to her. I'm like going, oh my god! I wish I'd had this on video camera so that I could have sent it out to everybody. Because I'm like going, oh my god! You know, because it was it was you know it was something you know it wasn't a po- I mean the positive the communication was positive, but the event wasn't positive. It was something that was annoying to him, and he felt safe enough to bring it up. And there's no way that I mean, but in a lot of cases, I think people are terrified to bring up stuff that their partner may be doing. Everybody everybody automatically assumes it's conflict. It's like only if you make it that. It doesn't have to be conflict. But, you know, if you if you think it's going to be conflict, then you're going to bring to the table this attitude of, okay, we're going to have this knockdown drag out when it's not really necessary. Absolutely. And, and that, you know, that comes back to the mutual respect, you know, so she, he, he's bringing this up in a respectful way and not mm-hmm. saying, you know, God, I hate it when you do that. But, you know, hey, listen, you know, when you do this thing that you may not even be aware of, mm-hmm. it, it drives me nuts. And then she came back respectfully and said, okay, well, I don't really see that I'm doing that or I'm not aware of it. So, so point it out to me. Right. And that's an, a great example of really, really healthy uh, relationship communication and, and working towards a resolution. And then, you know, her being able to accept suggestions as to, you know, how to mm-hmm. uh, stop doing that or, or avoid doing that is, is just great. Um, you know, a, another example of this is, is just, you know, choosing our words and mm-hmm. how we talk to people. So, you know, if you take an example of somebody, you know, ordering takeout, which of course a lot of people are doing now during the (laughs) pandemic, you know, so one person says, well, I, I, you know, I, um, well, actually two, two parts to this. So first of all, in, in my, in my first marriage, my, my ex would say something like, you know, do you want Chinese? And it took me years to figure out that what she was saying was, I want Chinese. Right. It wasn't a question. Right. You know, so first of all, under, understanding how people communicate, and this mm-hmm. is also, you know, it's particularly true with, with, you know, women who are not always as assertive as men about, you know, saying what they want. And so that, 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 was, that was sort of one mm-hmm. interesting communication example. It took me a little while to learn, you know, her way of speaking. But, but let's say you have a couple and, you know, uh, say the guy says, you know, oh, you know, I, I, let's, let's order Chinese food tonight. And, and the wife says, you know, I hate Chinese food, you know, now that's really poor communication. I mean, she can say, you know, hey, you know, um, Chinese isn't really my favorite, you know, we could order Thai, or she could say, you know what, you go ahead and order Chinese, I know you love it, 
you know, and, and I'll get something else. But right. to, to immediately set the stage for conflict, like mm-hmm. you, bad person, you know, don't right. you know that I don't like, you know, that's, so that, that's sort of the inverse of, of what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Yeah. So, and the last, the, the last silent killer that you identify is, is what you call having a transactional attitude. So what exactly is that and what kind of problems does it create? Well, that is something that also, I think, creeps into relationships. Uh, It creeps in when people's needs are not being met. And the fact that those needs aren't being met is in large part due to the fact that people are not communicating those needs Mm -hmm. or communicating them effectively. So then we start to feel resentment. And then we start to feel, well, if I'm going to do this for her or for him, then I, she's going to do this for me. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so it becomes you know, less about giving and more about getting or about only giving when you're going to get something in return. And you know, no one is, is suggesting that you know, either partner become totally sacrificial and, and right. you know, um, codependent or people pleasing and, and all of that. Cause that's, that's one extreme, but, but if you're constantly thinking of about all the things that are happening in the relationship in transactional terms, and you're always like evening out the score, mm-hmm. you know, that's a really unhealthy way to look at things because, you know, as, as you know, you were saying, no one is perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. Um, at any given time, somebody is going to be ahead or behind in that score. But if you look at it over a, a longer term context, you know, if, if you're really committed to each other and you're loving each other and you're respecting, it's all going to balance out. There are times when one person carries a bigger load. There are times when the other person carries a bigger load. Some people are better at things than others. Um, so, and, you know, you said something before about, uh, you know, about being patient with people and, and wanting to make mistakes and, and the line from the article is, uh, you know, we, um, we talk about, you know, honor when, when we, when we go into marriage. Um, and I think that means honoring our imperfections and mistakes, you know, um, and, and honoring because, because, because we're human. Right. Well, and it's, you know, and it's so important because when we get into this transactional, I'll, you know, I'll do this only if you do this other thing, which, you know, I go back to the marriage vows and most of us didn't say, well, I'll love, honor, and cherish you as long as you love, honor, and cherish me. Now, there's an implication because both people promise that, but, you know, this is one of those things where, and, and this is how I believe it becomes silent, is as you were talking about it. Instead of when I'm disappointed or hurt by something, instead of coming to my partner and saying, hey, that thing that happened last Tuesday, can we talk about it? Because I'm really struggling with it, right? So then I can share what my problem with it is, and then we can work towards a solution as opposed to, well, I'm just, I'm just now going to only do what my partner does for me. And, and this is what happens when a lot of people come into, you know, they, they seek help for help for their relationship. Usually it's just fix my partner. <laughs> but, but I mean, I'll hear this all the time when I'm, you know, when I'm working with somebody because, um, 
you know, Dr. Phil says, you know, somebody has to step up and be the hero in the relationship. Somebody has to go first. And, you know, right. I get this, well, why do I have to do this? And, mm. you know, and my first response is because that's what works. But, but then it's like, well, but my partner isn't doing it. And it's kind of like, so when you were a little kid, and, you know, you one of, you, did your parents ever accept that it was okay for you to hit the other kid because the kid hit you for, I mean, you know, it's like, we wouldn't right. accept this in any right. other aspect of our life, but we do in this most unique and, and what can be the most, um, you know, what do you, you know, wonderful relationship. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I like what you said about the, the vows, you know, and, and if you think about it, um, yes, each person is making the vow, but the vows are not conditional mm-hmm. on the other person's keeping the vow in, right. in, in that sense. You know, it's, we're, we're making them unilaterally. We're saying, I promise to do this. Mm-hmm. The other person is saying, I promise to do this too. It, you know, it, it's, it's not the minister or the rabbi up there saying, you know, okay, you know, you you do it if he does it or she you know, so, right um, so and and that's 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 the beauty of it is that it's you know it's really a it's really a pledge and when it when it goes the other way uh, you know you were you were mentioning you know somebody saying well I'll do this if you do this and I don't know if you'd call this a fourth silent destroyer but it but it's something that I I really get exercised about when I hear when I have friends who tell me that this is happening or mm. I hear that it's happening in a relationship and that's the proof of love. You know, if you love me, oh. you will dot, dot, dot. And you know, mm-hmm. that is just, because think about how it starts. Yeah. If you love me, right. you know, it doesn't start from the context of we love each other. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and, and we can, I mean, and the thing that I tell people is we can make, request for changes of behavior like my friend's husband he was making a request for a change in behavior and what I tell my my um, clients is say yes to those requests as often as you can because sometimes you do have to say no and saying no is okay right um, you know, I, I joke I'm a I'm an introvert and there is not enough alcohol in the world to get me on a karaoke stage, I will be under the table. <laughs> so that's not anything that appeals to me. Luckily, my husband's also an introvert. But if he weren't, it's like, fine, you go out with your friends and have a good time or I'll go. But don't ask me to get up there because that's just, it, that's not who I am and it, and it won't happen <laughs> anyway. But you know, we, can right. say, we can say no, but we need to do it in a loving and gentle way. But if we've already primed the pump with a lot of yeses, then when we say no, it's not gonna it's not gonna ding the relationship that much, and and it doesn't turn into this transactional thing of well, I did this for you, so you need to do this other thing for me. Mm. Right, that's just a recipe for for constant disappointment. Yeah. So how how what suggestions do you have for helping people to? Avoid these things. We, we've now, you know, we've now defined them. But it's like you said that you sometimes they just kind of creep up on couples silently, and like you said, not you know they kind of happen 
gradually. It's not like it's not like an affair or somebody finds out about an affair and okay, somebody's just thrown a, a a grenade into the middle of the relationship. These things just kind of eat away at it. I call it like the Chinese water torture. Right, right. Well, I, I think um, certainly self awareness um, is is one. Um, you know, listening to the mm-hmm. feedback. Uh, from your partner, because more often than not, in whatever way someone communicates it, um, you know, could be healthy, assertive communication, could be angry communication, could be passive aggressive communication, but somebody is going to be communicating their displeasure with what's happening because it's not making them happy. Mm-hmm. So really, really listen to that. Um, so self-awareness, listening, and then uh, making a conscious choice to do something about it. So often we're on autopilot and, and mm-hmm. a lot of these ways of relating and ways of talking to people or moving into transactional mode. It feels very natural. It's, you know, we don't think about it. It's just kind of happening, you know, and that, that's when, that's when we're really not using our thinking brain to, uh, to, to, to serve us and, and to maximum effect. So, Making, making a conscious choice, you know, we're, we're not going to call it work, but, a, but mm-hmm. a conscious choice to act in a different way and then to, to reap the benefits of, of doing that because it, it, it happens almost immediately. You know, and, and the other suggestion would be if, if things aren't working in your relationship, uh, don't start by blaming your partner. <laughs> um, don't start by beating yourself up totally either. Right. But start looking under the surface. Start looking at the little day-to-day interactions, the things that a great marriage or relationship are, are built on, because those positive interactions keep making mm-hmm. it better and better and stronger and stronger. Because, you know, like, like a tsunami, you know, it, it's under the surface. You, you don't see it until suddenly bam, you know, what happened there? Mm-hmm. I, I thought we were good, you know, right. and now, and now we have all these problems. So, so awareness, uh, listening, conscious choices, uh, commitment, and, 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 and always looking under the surface to see what you can do better. Okay. Well, thank you so much, uh, Tom, for being on the show. Can you let people know where they can get, you know, learn more about your perspective, your, your, your um, suggestions? Sure. Thank you. Uh, so I do have uh, a little book, uh, which is a collection of my Good Men Project articles on what I call dysfunctional relationships. Uh, the book is called Why It Can't Work, Detaching from Dysfunctional Relationships to Make Room for True Love. Uh, you know, and, and in the context of marriage, I would say this is about really sort of evaluating whether the relationship that you're in, let's say you're not married to to, to this person or, you know, yet is, is one that, um, that has the potential to develop into something where you're, you're in that, in that triangle, you know, and there, and there are ways to, to evaluate that. So the, the book, uh, many people have found it helpful. Um, and, uh, you can find that on Amazon. And I'm also, uh, a, an editor, uh, and a publisher, uh, and you can find information about that. Uh, at uh, my company, Christmas Lake Creative, uh, christmaslakecreative.com, where there's information about uh, various options for uh, writing, book coaching, and also publishing. Perfect. So 
In order to arrive at your destination safely, you need to know where you're going, what's going to get you there, and what obstacles might send you off course. And your marriage is absolutely no different. Giving it over to love is great in theory, but a good marriage takes more than just love. So, the question is, are you willing to start doing what works and nip the harmful things in the bud? I hope you are, and I hope one of the ways that you'll do that is to keep listening to this show. And until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.